0: What do you see? Our eyes are used to seeing that which is good for us. Opportunities. For our business. For our career. For our enjoyment. But as the author of Hebrews said, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. What do you see when you look at the cross? Pain? Loneliness? Despair? There are many people suffering who do not understand that Christ has taken all of this upon Himself. For this reason, we want to challenge you. Choose a person you can make a commitment to for a year with the purpose of presenting Christ to them. This can be a friend, your boss, or a neighbor. Anyone. Someone you will walk alongside, pray with, and help throughout the year 2020, with the sole objective of modeling the true gospel of Jesus Christ. Who do you see?
1: Well, hey, church. Today is the season finale of our series, Focus 1 2.0, Be the Bridge, and we are looking into the words of Jesus here in John chapter 15, verse 4 and 5. So will you read God's word with me? Jesus says, Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you. Unless you abide in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. This is the word of the Lord. Now, this passage is so interesting. The analogy that Jesus uses to speak about you and me, who we are. We are branches, he is the vine. You see, it's really easy to act like someone you're not, to put on a face or to put on a front because we try to shift and we try to mix and we try to blend into how people, how we believe people want us to to look or act or, or be. But someone that is authentic, someone that acts the way that they really are meant to be, they act according to who they are, is contagious. And we have seen that recently in the viral video that I'm sure each one of you has seen by a man who calls himself Dogface. And the video is so simple. The video is him skateboarding and listening to Fleetwood Mac as he drinks ocean spray and begins to sing it. But there's something about the authenticity of that clip, that this is who he is. This is how he lives probably every single day. And it captured the imagination and it captured the minds of the world. I mean, there are so many millions and millions and millions of views on this TikTok video. There are likes and comments. I mean, Ocean Spray gave him a car, and now they're talking about doing commercials with him, and he's become a viral sensation. People are imitating that video, but it doesn't feel the exact same because it's not who those people are that are imitating it, but it's who he is. You see, Jesus is speaking here about who you are and who you are to be, and he's saying don't act differently. You are a branch who is to abide in me and to produce and bear much fruit. That's who you are. Don't act like someone you're not. Don't try to be someone you're not. Don't put it on a different front. Jesus here, as he speaks to his disciples, he's speaking on the night when he is betrayed. After Jesus has shared a meal, and he's sitting around the table, and he's washing the disciples' feet, and he's preparing to go to the garden to pray, and he knows that that Judas is going to betray him. He knows he's going to be arrested and he understands that his death is imminent. He teaches his disciples some important lessons, this being one of them. And so this is highly important for us. This is so valuable for us to understand because he speaks not just to them, but to us. And he speaks about fruit. He uses this analogy of a vine and branches and fruit. And what we see is the importance of fruit the necessity of fruit and the production of fruit. First, we see the importance of fruit. Verse one and two, Jesus says this, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it may bear more fruit. So he speaks here about the importance of fruit. I am the vine, my father is the vine dresser, and any branch that does not bear fruit, he takes it away. He removes it. Later, Jesus will say that it actually just gets burned up. It is useless. A branch that does not produce fruit has no use. But one that does produce fruit, God prunes. The Father prunes it. It can bear even more fruit. so It will grow and grow and grow. And the question you have to ask yourself, well, what is fruit? If it is so important that Jesus shares this on the night that he is going to be betrayed, these are some of the last words that he shares with his disciples. They were important for them. They're important for us. He says, I'm the vine. You are the branches. My father is the vine dresser. You are, to, you are to produce fruit. You are to bear fruit because if you don't, it's useless. You're thrown away and burned. So what is fruit? See, when we read here, we understand that he's speaking about Behavior. He's speaking about how you live, your actions, and what you do. And typically, what we begin to think about is that he's speaking about being a good person. We're tempted to believe this. Jesus is saying, You're to bear fruit, you're to be a good person. And if you pulled a room of 100 people, imagine 100 people in a room, there was a question that was asked, and the question was, Do you think that it is important to be a good person? Is it important to be a good person? That room would overwhelmingly respond with yes. I I would imagine that almost every single person in the room would say yes. If someone in the room says, no, I don't think it's important to be a good person, that is someone you want to avoid. You want to stay away from that person. But almost every single person would say, of course, it is important to be a good person. Now, if you asked a follow-up question and you said, are you a good person? Again, almost every single person in the room would say, yes, I'm a good person. Now, some people may couch it and say, I'm a good person, but I have my demons, of course. I have things I struggle with. There's things, you know, about my personality or my character that I'm not happy about, or things I've done in the past that I'm not proud of, but I'm a good person. And the reason we do this, and the reason that we respond like this, is because we compare ourselves naturally to other people. We compare ourselves to other people, typically people that are doing things that we would never do, and are acting in a way that we would never act, and we think to ourselves, I'm a good person, especially in comparison to them. Because we want to feel good. We want to feel like we're making strides to being better. We feel good about ourselves. Now, I want to do a little thought experiment. We have that room of 100 people that we polled. Almost everybody, hopefully everybody, said that it's important to be a good person. And then everybody responded with saying, yes, I'm a good person. I'm, the majority of me is good. Now, if you had the ability to look into the lives of every single person there, all 100, and you were able to see their thoughts and what they did in secret. You were able to, to glean their motivations behind even some of their honorable and good actions. And then you were asked, every person in this room said that they were good. Do you think every person in this room is good? All of us understand human nature because we understand our own heart. And we would say, no, 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 not, not every person in this room is good. But in fact, I don't know if anyone in this room is good because I've seen the motivations. I've seen what they've done in secret when no one's looking. I have seen inside of their thoughts. I know what they did. Not everyone in this room is good. In fact, most people in this room are not good. Why? Because we are morally dysfunctional people. Are we not? We are morally dysfunctional people. We are sometimes good. We are sometimes bad. We sometimes have motivations that feel good about. Sometimes our motivations are really messed up. We are morally dysfunctional people. This is who we are, and yet we believe ourselves to be good And we believe ourselves to be striving towards goodness. Almost every one of us and almost everyone we know. Now, why I bring this up is because this is so predominant in our culture that we believe it is important to be good and we believe that we are in fact good and we believe that we're all striving to be good. But in truth, if we look behind the curtain, we are morally dysfunctional. It's important to understand that because what that has created in our society is the truth of Christianity and who you are to be has been replaced with a new version that some call moralistic, therapeutic deism that looks and feels to many like Christianity but is not Christianity and it is not consistent with what Scripture says about who God is and who you are. Moralistic therapeutic deism has a belief structure that says, there is a creator God who has ordered everything. And this God desires for you to be happy and to be good. That is God's design and desire for you is to be happy and good. And so therefore, the central goal of life is to be happy and to be a nice, good person. And God is uninvolved in your life until you need him. And good people go to heaven, and the really evil people, I mean the really evil people, they're the ones that go to hell. This is moralistic therapeutic deism. And what does it produce? It produces people that believe that serving is optional. Serving is something you do when you have some time. Sacrifice is something to be avoided unless you're going to get credited for it. That generosity and giving is something you do when you're emotionally moved to do so. It's not connected to stewardship. That praise is a song that you sing, not a posture that you hold. That the church community should be one that suits you, not one that stretches you and that the importance of fruit is connected to the importance of just trying to be a good person. This is moralistic therapeutic deism. It is not Christianity. This is not what Jesus speaks about. Christianity does not say that serving is optional. It does not say that sacrifice should be avoided. It does not say that giving is something you do based upon emotion. It does not say that the community that you're involved in in the church is supposed to suit you. In fact, it's supposed to stretch you. It does not say that praise is a song, rather it's a posture. And it does not say that the importance of fruit is the importance of being a good person. The Christian message, what Jesus is saying here, is very different. You see, the crux of this message that Jesus shares about the importance of bearing fruit is not connected to being a good person, but is connected to God's mission. It is connected to God's mission for you. Because the church doesn't have a mission, God's mission has a church. Did you hear that? The church doesn't have a mission, God's mission has a church. That means you're a part of the mission. That means the production, the bearing of fruit in your life is is how God begins to advance his mission through you, the church. Because God's mission has a church and it involves you. That's what Jesus is saying here. That fruit is important because the fruit that you bear in your life is useful for the mission of God. He uses it in you. That's why branches that don't produce fruit are cut off and thrown away. But The Father, as a vine dresser, prunes the branches so that it can continue to grow fruit. Because it is a part of God's mission. You are a part of God's mission. So what is this fruit? Well, we're told in Galatians chapter 5 what this fruit is. You've probably heard this before. Galatians chapter 5 speaks about the fruit of the Spirit. It says in verse 22, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against such things. There is no law. These things These fruits of the Spirit are important because they connect you to God's mission, which you are a part of. And they are necessary. Fruit is necessary in your life. It's who you are. You are to be a person that bears fruit as a follower of Christ. Why is fruit necessary? Well, for two reasons. One, it's necessary because The bearing of fruit glorifies God and engages you in his mission. Look what verse 8 says. Verse 8 says, by this my father is glorified, meaning the production of fruit in your life, the bearing of fruit in your life glorifies God that you bear much fruit so you prove to be my disciple. You prove to be a follower of Christ and you glorify God when fruit is being born out of your life, when you are bearing fruit, when it is growing in and through you, you glorify God and you prove to be a disciple. There's a key word there that I mentioned, and that is cultivated. When it is cultivated in you, when it is grown in you. See, that's an important word because this analogy was chosen by Jesus. Jesus. He could have used any analogy to speak about what is produced in you, the growth in your life to look more like Christ, and yet all throughout Scripture and here, the analogy is one of fruit, fruit that is cultivated here. See, think about the analogy. He says, I am the vine, and you are the branches, and the vine dresser. God the Father prunes the branches so that the branches may bear fruit. And the fruit is the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Now, consider that analogy. You are the branches and fruit is cultivated on the branch, in your life. But how does fruit begin? It begins very small. It's very barely visible. And it begins to grow and grow and grow over time. But fruit is only produced and it's only cultivated off of a branch that is connected to a vine. It has to drink deeply from the nutrients and the sustenance that the vine brings to the branch so that fruit can be produced it has to absorb that and this fruit is fruit of the spirit it is not the fruit of good works it is not the fruit of you got to try harder you see what jesus is not saying here is that you need to produce the fruit by working harder by getting more focused on seeing love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and, and self-control and all these things born out in your life. You need to work harder. It doesn't say that. It's fruit of the Spirit, not fruit of you. See, that is really important to understand. Because remember, this fruit that is produced in your life brings glory to God. You prove that you're a follower of God, but it brings glory to Him. Why? Because it's His fruit that He produces in you. Listen, if you think about some of these things, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, all the ones that I named in Galatians chapter 5. Have you ever tried to produce those in your own life? Now listen, I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be vulnerable with you. I am not a person who naturally has the fruit of patience. Are you there with me? I am not the most patient person, which is why... I try not to drive in Miami because it tests my patience. Now, if I try to work on being patient, I will get impatient with my lack of growth in being patient. All of us, when we read the list of the fruits of the Spirit, there are many of them that we struggle with. They don't come naturally to us. They're difficult for us. Maybe for you it's peace. Maybe you struggle with anxiety. And if someone were to tell you, just like work at being full of peace. <laughs> it's not that easy. You can just work at it. Maybe for you it's self-control. Maybe you have that, that same struggle, that same sin that you continue to battle. And, and if someone were to say, just have self-control. It's like it's not that easy. Maybe it's joy. Someone would say, just, just be happy. Can't you just be happy? It's not that that easy. Or maybe it's kindness. Maybe you're an an abrupt, kind of to-the-point person. So just, hey, just be a little bit more gentle. Be a little bit more kind. It's not that easy. You see, the fruit of the Spirit that is cultivated in your life glorifies God because it is His fruit, not your fruit. It doesn't come naturally to you or me. It is not fruit that we can produce through our own strength and our own effort. It is cultivated in us as we are connected to the vine, as the Father prunes us so that we might bear fruit, and it brings glory to him. See, when the fruit of the Spirit begins to grow in your life, it reveals not only to you but to everyone else that God is working in your life. And that brings glory to him. It's why fruit is necessary. It's important and it's necessary because it brings glory to God and it engages you in God's mission. You will prove to be a follower of Christ when you begin to see the fruit of the Spirit cultivated in your life. And the second reason it's necessary is because it breeds joy. Breeds joy. Jesus says this in verse 11. He says, these things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. He says, you want to have joy? You want to be full of joy, the kind of joy that Jesus has, the author of joy. Listen to my words. I'm the vine. You're the branches. You're to bear fruit. You have joy. Joy that is full. Now, this feels so counterintuitive. It feels counterintuitive because you understand what you're being invited into, what Jesus is saying about who you are, that you are a branch connected to the vine who is to absorb the nutrients and the sustenance of the vine. You're united to Christ. And therefore, what is produced in your life doesn't look like moralistic therapeutic deism where serving is optional and sacrifices to be avoided unless you get credit for it, where generosity is purely emotional, where you just find a community that suits you, where you just focus on being a good person and trying to be a good person, where praise is a song you sing occasionally at church or maybe in your car. You see, you understand that what Jesus is saying here is that you are to be a person engage in god's mission by seeing fruit produced in your life and that will require serving and it will require sacrifice it will require stewardship it will require living generously it will require being a part of a community that you let stretch you it will require a posture of praise and it feels like wait how is that going to produce joy And the reason why we're skeptical of this is because many of us have bought into the lie that we're fed in society and has been fed to us for centuries. That joy is found by being selfish. That joy is cultivated by focusing on your comfort and your leisure. By joy is found by carefully curating your dreams at the expense of everyone and everything else and running after that by joy is found by doing what feels good to you we've bought that lie but has it worked i mean has it worked if you look around at people that have the very things that you think will bring you joy has it worked for them are all famous people pain free are all wealthy people full of joy with no issues is your boss happy should we elevate these things of comfort and status and quote unquote success accomplishing your dreams and we think if i can just do all of these things then i'll be full of joy if i can just run after these things I set forward for myself that everyone else tells me if I, if I accomplish them, if I achieve them, if I protect myself, if, if I serve myself, then I'll be full of joy. It hasn't worked and it's not going to work. God's word comes and it confronts this lie. It confronts this lie and it says to you and to me that joy is found when you live according to who you are, joy is found acor- living according to who you are. If you went out right now and you said, Man, I saw that video of Dogface on that skateboard drinking the ocean spray, and he just looked f- so full of joy. I'm just going to go try that, see if it brings me the same joy. I'm going to put Fleetwood Mac in my headphones, I'm going to get the ocean spray, I'm going to skateboard. Probably not going to bring you joy, unless like you love Fleetwood Mac and skateboarding and ocean spray, which I don't know how many people love all of those things combined together. You see, Jesus is saying, live according to who you are. You are a branch connected to the vine, and you're to bear fruit. And it's not undefined fruit. It's not fruit that you define for yourself. It's the fruit of the Spirit that is to be cultivated in your life. And as it begins to grow, if you listen to Jesus' words here, it's going to bring you joy. So how is this fruit produced? Because it is important. It is necessary. So how is it produced? What does the production of fruit look like? Well, the verse that we read at the very beginning reveals it to us. Because you may think, how am I involved in this? I mean, it's not my fruit, you said, and you said that God produces it in me and I'm the branch connected to the vine. Is it just mysteriously happened? Jesus says in verse four and five again, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him He it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. There is precise clarity here. There's no guessing. How do you see fruit, the fruit of the Spirit produced in your life? Is it through your own effort? Your own strength? No. No. Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. You can't produce any fruit on your own. It doesn't come natural to you because it's not even your fruit. It's the fruit of the Spirit. You produce fruit by abiding in Christ. What does that word abide mean? It means to remain, to be present, to wait for. So what is Jesus saying? Remain in me. Be present with me. Wait for me. When you abide in me, you will bear much fruit. You're a branch. Think about the analogy. The branch cut off from the vine can produce nothing. But when the branch remains connected to the vine, when the branch drinks deeply And is present with the vine. And waits for all those nutrients and all that sustenance that it takes in from the vine. To fill it, it will begin to produce fruit. Even today, we don't call grapes the fruit of the branch. We call grapes the fruit of the vine. It is produced because of the vine. That is central. And so, church. You want to see the joy that Jesus promises in your life. You want to see how you can be engaged and connected to God's mission. You want to see the importance and the necessity of of fruit produced in your life that brings glory to God. You want to live according to who you are. Remain in Jesus, be present with Jesus. Wait for Jesus. That means remain in his word. Be present in prayer. And wait for God to begin to cultivate that fruit in your life through the spirit. You see, you may look at the list. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. You may think, I, could, I, I can't imagine. I can't imagine that I could be patient. I can't imagine that I could have peace. I can't imagine that I could have joy. haven't had it so far. I want to tell you something. You already have it. You may struggle with peace or joy or self-control. You already have it because you have the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is already living and active inside of you. You are connected to the vine through faith in Christ. And you don't have to worry about God throwing you out because what does Jesus say here in verse 3? He says, already you are clean because of the word I've spoken to you. He says, you don't have to worry that you haven't tried hard enough and you haven't achieved enough because you're already clean. You're already saved by grace. If you are connected to the vine in faith, you are going to produce fruit. That fruit is already in you. And the way you begin to see it cultivated and produced it's not by living in fear. It's not by working out of your own strength. It is remaining in God's word in Christ. It is remaining in prayer with Christ. It is waiting for Christ to do that in you and through you. It is focusing on Christ first. Because church, listen, If we're to focus on others, if we're to be the bridge to others that we've talked about this entire series, we will mess it up, we will get it twisted if we don't first focus on Christ. We focus on Christ first, and then we begin to see the importance of fruit, the necessity of fruit, and the production of fruit born out in our life, and we see the joy that God brings as that begins to grow. So I pray that you begin to focus on Christ, that you remain with Him, that you are present with Him, and that you wait for Him, because that fruit is in you, and God will begin to cultivate it, as He's promised to do. Will you pray with me? God, thank You. Thank You so much that You are gracious to us that you don't ask us in our own strength to produce something that isn't natural to us. It is so foreign. But you promise us, as we abide in you, as we remain in you, and we're present and waiting for you, focus on you, Jesus. That fruit will be born out of our life. It will be cultivated and produced. Fruit that actually brings us joy. Joy full joy I pray that we would experience this as your church that we would see how you would use us in your mission that would excite us to be together connected to you focusing on you Christ and then seeing all the fruit that is produced for your glory and your glory alone we prove to be followers of you Jesus by the way that you work in and through us